0: My name is Cindy Frederick, and I'm Associate Vice President for Engagement and Annual Giving here at the University of Virginia. And it is my pleasure to welcome you all to Charlottesville. Uh, Just this past spring, UNC had a brilliant idea. And we got a call to say, what if we do something on the Friday night before the football game and have alums from both our schools? What a wonderful idea. And thank you so much for UNC for sponsoring this reception and bringing this idea to us. I'd like to go ahead and now introduce our two panelists, our two alums. It is my pleasure to introduce Ken Wallenbord, who graduated from UNC in 1951 from the university, from UNC and in 1955 from UVA's medical school. Dr. Wallenbord is a retired ENT, head and neck surgeon and clinical professor at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. While a student at UNC, he was very active in student activities, lettering and cross country, receiving the American Legion Award as Outstanding Air Force Cadet, and participating as a member of St. Anthony Hall Fraternity, German Club, and Dance Committee. Ken has received many awards and honors, including UVA's Raven Society Alumni Award, the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Alumni Award, and the Medical Society of Virginia Award for Outstanding Medical Alumnus Award. He currently serves as the president of the Thomas Jefferson Heritage Society and president of the Thomas Jefferson Chapter of the Sons of the American Revolution. Please join me in welcoming Ken to to our panel tonight. Our second alum is Ted Zoller and he graduated from UVA's master's program in 2003 and in 2010 from UNC with his PhD. Dr. Zoller is an associate professor at UNC as well as the executive director for the Center for Entrepreneurial Studies at their business school. Ted also oversees Launch Chapel Hill, a new venture lab that supports UNC teams that are moving to the marketplace. He is an advisor to the Blackstone Charitable Foundation, a senior advisor to the Frank Hawkins Kennan Institute of Private Enterprise, and a senior fellow and former vice president at the Ewing Marion Kauffman Foundation. He also founded Common Wheel Ventures, a venture advisory and analytic firm, and is a small business owner. And one final note, it is said that Ted is a very avid UNC Hoops fan. I have to say it, go Heels. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming Ted. Our moderator for tonight's discussion is Tom Folders. He is a 1971 graduate of the University of Virginia and received his MBA from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. Since 2006, he has served as the president and CEO of the University of Virginia Alumni Association. Welcome, Tom.
1: Both Ken and Ted have uh, have have courageously agreed to be with us tonight uh, to talk a little bit about uh, both the common elements as well as the disparate elements of what make our makes our two schools what they are. Uh, obviously, they're both great. Uh, they both have tremendous attributes. And I I forgot who won the ACC ter- basketball tournament last year. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that. Um, that uh, this is done uh, tonight because tomorrow, interestingly enough, and many of you may know this and many of you may not, um, we're about to witness the South's oldest football rivalry. Um, The first game uh, was played in 1892. Uh, The second game was played in 1892. Uh, The first game was won by the University of Virginia, and the second game was won by the University of North Carolina. And we've been going back and forth ever since. I think the... um, the current tally, uh, excluding tomorrow's game, which I won't prognosticate, um, <clears throat> UNC is ahead with, um, with uh, 60 games won, uh, UVA has won uh, 54 games, and at least from University of Virginia's point of view, there were four ties. Now I understand there's a, there's a bit of a controversy on one of those ties. Um, I may let Doug talk about that later. <laughs> um, You know, if you think about the similarities of the schools, they're they're rather remarkable. They're both obviously flagships of their respective states. Uh, They both provide tremendous amount of leaders and leadership uh, to their respective states. Um, Both are listed as public ivies um, when that term became popular back in the mid-90s. They're both very highly ranked uh, in all the various college rankings, uh, whether it's U.S. News and World Report or some of the others that are coming along. Um, and in terms of public schools, obviously we're in. The, both of us are in the top five of the public schools, which is another similarity of the schools. Um, we're both members of the American Association of Universities, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, is a very prestigious organization that only allows um, only the best institutions to join. Um, and hmm? yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, um, and so, and the similarities continue, but I'm not going to go into any more. What I'm going to do, uh, and this will be very conversational, and if you have a question or a comment that you just can't contain, by all means, throw it out there because this is really a conversation more than any sort of a speech. Um, I've got a number of things that I'm just going to throw to our two panelists and, and let them pontificate, excuse me, explain the, uh, <laughs> the differences as well as the similarities of the two schools. Um, so let me start with kind of the history of the schools. Um, for those of you who, who are know these things, of course North Carolina was chartered before the University of Virginia was, um, and, and they take great pride in that. Uh, the university has a different point of view on all those sorts of things, of course. But I'll let um, Ken or Ted take it away.
2: <clears throat> so Charlie's being uh, shy on uh, the things that are, are uh, about um you know what we're going to do tonight. It's it's a real honor to be here, and I got to first sta- state that I'm a business professor. And I'm not a historian. So, is there a historian in the house? Do we have a historian out here? We've got a few. So, I'd like you to correct any uh, misinformation. Good that I'm about to uh, offer, and I'm not going to pretend to be a historian. But I'll tell you, um, having an experience both uh, on the lawn and at UNC has given me a real respect for what these institutions are all about. And just to take a big step back for a moment and think about the histories of these institutions, uh, you know they were both seen as beacons on the hill, both as great public institutions, both to improve society. you know, in the case of the uh, University of Virginia, obviously Thomas Jefferson, in the case of the University of North Carolina, William R. Davy. These were individuals who were committed to trying to build a uh, institution that would advance their society. But you know what's amazing about both places? You know there's a there's a mystery in both places. If you ever walk around uh, in the center of these campuses, uh, you know you've got in the case of obviously UVA the rotunda and the lawn uh, and the academical village in general, and you know it's magical. And in the case of uh, University of North Carolina, you got the Davy Poplar and the Old Well and you know the entire quadrangle and the great old trees that just uh, line the middle of campus and you just feel a sense of something that's uh, drawing you there. And uh, I'd call it a little bit of a mystery. I, I think for instance at, at UVA you've got uh, the Sevens and you have uh, the Imps and you have the Raven Society and other organizations, you don't know how they work, you know they're around, you know things are happening, you know they're all committed to trying to advance the institution. In the case of the University of North Carolina, the reason why we wear blue and white today is uh, on account of the Dyes die, the and the fies, the two societies that were uh, really, uh, you know, driven by uh, the intellectual pursuit, uh, the Gimgul Society and the Golden Fleece. These are, these are groups that kind of curate a, a story uh, behind the story uh, of these great institutions. So, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I'm a sucker for it. I love these two places and, uh, you know, I gotta say just on a personal note, the University of Virginia represents basically the, my first attempt at trying to finish a doctorate. And in my particular case, I just want to call out uh, J.C. Powell. Where's J.C.? Could you raise your hand? JC's my father-in-law, believe it or not, and he lives on the other side of the mountain here, uh, not far. And uh, when I uh, was uh, in business, um, I decided I'd go back. And all of my colleagues said, Ted, uh, why do you want to go back and get a PhD? And I just, for some reason, was driven and I was drawn to the University of Virginia. So I came here to try to get a a doctorate. And uh, right during my time here, about two years in, my wife called me. And I'll never forget because I was in Alderman Hall. And I was picking up a phone on the side of the wall. And she said, Ted, I need you to come home right now. And I said, What are you talking about? And she said, I think I'm pregnant. And that moment changed my life in more ways than you need to know, because I'd given up my health insurance, I'd given up my business, I decided I uh, you know, needed to c- get back to work. So I went back to work, obviously, to take care of my, uh, my child. It turns out my daughter was diagnosed with autism. And that has been uh, both a challenge in our lives, but it was one of the greatest blessings of our lives. Because my daughter is doing extraordinarily well. She's going to go to college. She's going to have a great job. Uh, but my wife, uh, in, with a little bit of my help, uh, is developing a, a new business to support people with autism transitioning to the workforce by learning how to code, of all things. So we've turned the story of my first attempt to get the university, uh, my, my PhD here at UVA into a great story uh, as a result of my daughter's experience. And then the University of North Carolina put its arms around me and said, you know, we'll figure out how to finish up your doctorate. And that was 10 years later. Uh, Even after the statute of uh, limitations ran out, I just restarted it again and did it again. So I love both institutions deeply.
1: Ken, talking about being (laughs) The Beacons on the Hill comment reminds me of a story you told me about where you live and where Mr. Jefferson originally wanted to put the university.
3: Right. I live at the highest point in Charlottesville on Rugby Road. If anybody went to Virginia, you remember from Rugby Road to Vinegar Hill? Okay, Well, that's where I live. Uh, (laughs) And uh, my house is truly at the highest point in town. And uh, the city water tower used to be in the front yard from 1900 to 1920 something. And if you've been by my house, you know there's not much room between the house and the street. Well, I was born in North Carolina. Many, of my, most of my family had gone to UNC, but when we moved here, it ended up all all four of my my folks' children got degrees from the University of Virginia. Uh, when I was growing up, my father, from well, I wasn't there in World War One, but from World War One to World War Two, he was never home on Thanksgiving Day. He was at the Carolina Virginia game. They got on the v- train from Salisbury, went to went over to uh, Duke, caught the train to Carlsburg, Carlsbur- Carborough and walked to the stadium. But they, but he was never there on Thanksgiving Day till World War II came along, and uh, so you know we'd always have to eat the turkey several days later after he got back. Uh, you know. Uh, <coughs> The president, the first, you know, the University of Virginia never had a president until 1904. They always, the chairman of the faculty did it. Well, it had got to where the chairman of the faculty couldn't take care of all the business. One of the people who did take care of the business, and probably the only one qualified then, uh, was uh, Elmer Carruthers. And Elmer Carruthers, uh, Carruthers Hall, some of you may know, was the treasurer of the University of Virginia. Well, in 1925, I think it was, Ward brought this to my attention, uh, Virginia was supposed to play Chapel, uh, uh, North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Well, the athletic department called and said, we don't have any money to buy, rent a bus. We're going to have to cancel the game. He said, we can't do that. So he raised among the citizens around here and everywhere enough money to rent a bus to send the football team to Chapel Hill. Now, whether they won or not, I don't remember. <laughs> now I I grew up here when Bill Dudley was having his greatest time. Bill Dudley, the greatest football player ever at the University of Virginia, one of the nicest, kindest people, no airs about him, and was all American. Here was all pro. He was all uh, all uh, military uh, in all of his days of activity. He was in the House of Delegates from Lynchburg. From Lynchburg. And what a great time. He was also somebody with no airs. You could go up and speak to him. I, my gang used to go up and uh, play touch football beside the University of Virginia where they were rehearsing or uh, practicing up at Lambeth Field. And he'd walk over there occasionally and chat with us and we were just overwhelmed. We, you know, we couldn't speak, we couldn't ask him any questions because here was Bill Dudley talking to us. So then when I went to Chapel Hill, guess who's there? The greatest football player at Chapel Hill, Choo Choo Justice. Now, uh, so I got to watch all his years of playing down there, and fabulous. I was spoiled. Uh, one of the greatest acts of sportsmanship that I've ever heard of supposedly occurred after Virginia defeated UNC in the last game of Bill Dudley's college career. He was responsible for. A, in some way for all four touchdowns they made and when the game was over he was carried off the field by the Carolina team now if that's almost get tears thinking about that that's such a wonderful thing uh... people ask me up here you know i grew up here and went to chapel hill and then i came back up here and they say well okay who you gonna root for this year i've got the perfect answer I say, I hate to root for a loser. (laughs) So I wait until halftime and I see who's ahead and that's who I root for. Uh, Okay, and one thing that a lot of people probably never knew, but we had a great football coach up here at Virginia, Frank Murray. Frank Murray had never played a game of football in his life, and yet he turned out some of the greatest teams. He got the T formation here to Virginia, had Bill Dudley. As a matter of fact, He's the one that told Bill Dudley. Bill said, uh, Coach, I play in. He says, you're not going to play in for me. You're too small. Go in the backfield. He said, I don't want to play in the backfield, but he, he uh, got after him, and look what happened. Uh, let's see here. Oh, the first president of the University of Virginia. Remember, we never had a president. We had... Uh, faculty chairman who tried to run all the things at the school here, administrative, teaching, faculty, cutting the grass, all that, and he couldn't do it. So they finally, after many years of discussing, they offered a job as president of the University of Virginia to, to Woodrow Wilson. He turned it down. He went to law school here, lived over in the West Range, And so then the next best person was not only a great administrator but he was a great educator who changed education in North Carolina, went to Tulane after he was president of North Carolina, went to Tulane, changed education in that state and city, and then they invited him up here. And that was Edmund Alderman. And he came here and he turned Virginia around. He became a great administrator, great educator. And he really made the things happen here at Virginia, Paul Dr. Alderman, he designed this beautiful house on Rugby Road, and for when he retired, he died before he could move into it. So Rabbit Smallwood moved into it. Some of you all know rabbit let 's see. Uh, oh, <laughs> when I went to Chapel Hill, of course, I was taking the pre med courses, and one of my chemistry classes was this new professor there. He was about 25 years old, and he was one handsome dude. And uh, he'd got his PhD ahead of most anybody in the country because he was so smart, but he really was good looking. And he'd start his lecture off the first day I was there. He says, ladies here in my class, I know that I look like Tyrone Power so don't tell me. It's not going to help your grade. <laughs> okay. Oh, one of the other things that uh, Edmund Alderman brought here was he instituted the cap and gown. We never used caps and gowns for uh, the uh, graduation here. But he said, we're going to have a class act up here at Virginia. And we did. Uh, I belong to a lot of organizations. One of my friends one time says, You know, I bet if they had a toothbrush club, you would join it. <laughs> and that's the truth. I've been looking for the toothbrush club for years. Okay, oh, I'll say, uh, every year I turn my application to the Seven Society, but some reason or other it gets turned down. They say maybe a six, but not seven.
1: Ken's probably the only one that knows what a Seven Society application looks like. So. <laughs> seven
3: pages long.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> a question? Yes. Dave, you want to arm the other mic? Yes.
4: Yeah. Good evening. Go ho- Go heels. <laughs> Almost said <laughs> who? I'm Jack Wilson. I live here in Charlottesville. and I want to tell you about a connection between the University of Virginia and the University of North Carolina that many of you probably don't know about in. When Thomas Jefferson was president of this great nation, uh, he he was uh, uh, involved in trying to get a, a gentleman from South Carolina which uh, was noted in the Revolutionary War for his heroics and all. His name was William Richardson Davies. Uh, Anyway, the governor of North Carolina in the late 1700s decided and others in the government decided they wanted to establish a state university. So they put together a five person committee headed by William Richardson Davis who was from South Carolina but at that time North Carolina and South Carolina were one. And he uh, told this uh, commission to go out and and tour the, the state and find a suitable location for a university. So they went out and William Richardson Davies went to the Raleigh-Durham area and he's talking to people. I went to UNC and got a, a degree in environmental engineering so water supply and wastewater and environmental health and all that is is important to me and this is what caught my interest was he goes to that area and he starts asking, he says well if we're going to build a university we want to be in the center of the state. This meets those requirements. And we need a good water supply. And some of the locals said, well, you need to go up on that hill. There's a chapel up there and it has a wonderful well, a wonderful water supply. So anyway, William Richardson Davies goes up, ties his horse to a poplar, gets out and goes and tries some of the water and we know the rest of the story. That's where the university formed. But tonight. We have an individual here who has a connection between UNC and the University of Virginia that I want to share with you. I was on the board of uh, the foundation board for the University of North Carolina School of Public Health for several years. And I met a young lady here that is a graduate, got her PhD at the University of Virginia. And in talking with her, I found out she'd never been to Chapel Hill, and she shared with me that William Richardson Davies, she's a direct descendant of him. So I said, you've got to go to Chapel Hill. I can't believe you've never been there. Of course, I took her to a basketball game and guess who won? The Dean Dome.
3: <laughs>
4: Virginia won. But anyway, we, we go down and I say, you take the car, but go to Wilson Library and tell them who you are, that you're a descendant of William Richardson Davies, and she did. When I came out of my meeting about three thirty four o'clock, she's standing by the car beaming. <laughs> she has this legal pad in her hand with all these notes. she had books that they had given her. They took her into the special collections area area and showed her uh, remains of her william richardson Davis wife her great 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 grandmother uh wedding dress, his watch a whole bunch of things and uh so she was just enthralled by this. She said, But I'm sort of conflicted on one thing. She said, They gave me these books, and I was reading through all the writings and historical documentation, and said in there that uh, he and Jefferson disagreed on uh, more federal power in our, in, our, in our United States versus state rights, and William Richards and Davis more for states' rights and all. So they had their conflicts over the years. And in there, uh, Jefferson. Uh, am I getting it right? Jefferson or... Davies said that Jefferson was a pompous ass. So anyway, I'll end my story. I want you to... Beth, stand up. This is Beth Baptist who got her doctorate degree here at the University of Virginia. Uh, and uh, currently works as senior administrator with the Charlotte C- uh, City Schools. So I want to share that connection between the University of Virginia and, and
1: Chapel
4: Hill, Charleston,
1: University of Virginia thank that's you awesome. <clears throat> well, we would ask Mr. Jefferson to make a rebuttal because, of course, everybody knows he still lives, but uh, yeah that 's right he, <laughs> he couldn 't make it tonight, but uh, hey, hey, Tom uh,
2: Tom, I have mr jefferson 's rebuttal. can I do it go for it so uh, you 'll have to see uh, Doug Dibbbert and uh, Tom Falders uh, for this, but you know, uh, when you graduate from these two universities, you get diplomas, right? And in my office, when uh, I, I got the doctorate from UNC, I put the, uh, the diploma in front of me, in front of my desk. But as you know, the University of Virginia's diploma is a little bit bigger than the University of North Carolina's diploma. <laughs> it kind of takes up half the wall. It's about this big. And I put that on the other wall, because it didn't feel it wasn't suitable to put them both on the same wall. It didn't fit for some reason. So I University of North Carolina in front, University of Virginia in the back. I never expected this implication. I do a lot of online teaching now. It's the way we teach, right? So we have education. I'm teaching people all over the world. And the, the video screen is sitting in front of me. And I'm facing the UNC diploma. But of course, what's projected behind me is the, is the University of Virginia, very proudly. And this is why you got to talk to Tom and Doug. Because you know these are kind of the crazy things you collect. So when I got my UNC degree, I got a little RAM. And I found that. So I put that RAM out there. But, you know, when you graduate from the University of Virginia, you have to have Mr. Jefferson. So those two things are, and maybe I'm a geek, but this is what sits in my office. And the other thing that you get, and Doug Dibbert will give you one of these, when you get that UNC symbol, is a Beat Duke, Beat Duke pin. So that'll go there.
3: When I uh, went to Chapel Hill, uh, I... uh, Uh, Porter uh, Graham. uh, Frank Porter Graham was the president there now. I really hit it off with him because we were two short fellows, And short fellas sort of stick together. But he was uh, a bouncy guy. He was on the move all the time. Before I finished, he had already left to run for the Senate. And Gordon Gray I think took off from him. And Gordon's uh, wife was a cousin. And, uh, and I used to take care of the, their children at a camp where I was a doctor up in the mountains in North Carolina. But what I was going to say, Mr. Newcomb, who was the president after, uh, uh, after uh, Alderman, was sort of a short, little bit pudgy fellow. And I sort of knew him, but, you know, just to s- say hi to Mr. Newcomb when he would walked by. But he was also a short fellow. So we hit it off, sort of. He didn't know we hit it off, but we really did. (laughs) Frank Porter Graham was something he remembered everybody. He remembered uh, my family who'd been there before me, and uh, so that was good. Uh, We had a problem at Chapel Hill because the tradition was you didn't pave the sidewalks at the university. They had this yellow sand. Well, if you've ever tried to keep a pair of socks going, they don't last for about a week. And then you got to throw them out because they got big holes from all the sand that got in the bottom of your feet. We had great years there when I was there. Great athletic teams. And uh, so that was good. We had a good time. Uh, great teachers there. Just wonderful. Uh, they they had heart, you know. And uh, med school when I came up here, same thing. They they had a feeling for not only you but who you were trying to be involved with. So it was a great Thing to go to two of the great universities of the South.
1: Oh, that brings up—I mean—that's a good segue into student experience. You have both been students at both institutions. Compare and contrast the student experiences that you found in both institutions.
3: <clears throat> they wore coats and ties here in Charlottesville. We didn't in uh, Chapel Hill. <laughs> and uh, and down there they greeted you with "Hey, you," and uh, up here they said. Who's your father? Who's your grandfather? <laughs> Who's your grandmother? <laughs> no, both schools, just too much fun. I, I What a great time to be able to do that. You know, right after the war, things were sort of tough down there in Chapel Hill. And when I applied, they said, okay, you accepted, but you have to have a proof that you have a place to live. <laughs> and, and I fortunately did.
2: You know what I'd add, it's, uh, it's, it was really interesting. The feelings on campus are very similar in some ways and very different in other ways. Uh, being on, on campus uh, at the University of Virginia, you know, somebody one, once said, you know what the, the, the deal is at the University of Virginia? You, you really don't know if you really belong here. You know, you always think it was a fluke you got in, you know, and you're not so sure you're supposed to be here, but you are. And the University of North Carolina, you just feel like you're part of the place. Uh, So it's a place that gives you, you know, you stand up on your heels a little bit at the University of Virginia. At UNC, you're kind of yourself. Uh, And both places have different, uh, different, just different feelings, you know. I don't know if it comes from kind of the literary traditions. For instance, at UNC, it's Paul Green and Thomas Wolfe. You know they're 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 folks that just kind of get in the mix, whereas here it's it's Faulkner and Ed, Ed, Edgar Allan Poe, you know it's a different a different sense. But in many ways, the, these institutions are just, you know, they're magical, you know, like I had mentioned before, and they're so special. And they're they're institutions that really need all of us to stand up and do what we can to actually perpetuate them for the next generation, because these are institutions that really make a difference. They're both committed. Uh, to advancing what we're doing as a society, just as the founders of those institutions intended.
3: When I uh, took my specialty boards, uh, I was uh, being interviewed by one of the examiners there, and he asked me a series of questions. And they're not supposed to know who you are or where you're from. That's so there's no pull or anything going on there. This this doctor says, well, I don't know your name, but I know where you came from because you came from the University of Virginia, and they're the people that know exactly what you were talking about, and they know it the best of anybody in the country. So that made me feel good. I went right out and applied for the Sabin Society right after that. (laughs)
1: Ken, I understand that uh, that comes under the heading of don't call us, we'll call you. That's right. (laughs) Um, You touched on athletics. Let's talk a little bit more about it. There have been long traditions of athletic excellence or futility, depending on the situation. And um, just your observations of the two schools and their athletic programs and how they've evolved.
3: Okay, says it's all me. Well, I grew up watching, of course, Virginia practice. I also watched the track team. I ran on the track team at Lane High School here in Charlottesville, played on the football team and all those things. But we, we had such an easy approach to all these great athletes at the university, and when the University of North Carolina would come up here, they were great athletes. So it was, it was really, uh, you know, you were seeing the best and, and, and very good, healthy rivalry. I mean, you didn't see us uh, at Carolina coming up and painting the rotunda blue and white. Uh, you know, I, I had a friend who went to uh, let's see, it was Rice or Baylor, but he was pilot. He got in a little a little uh, pipe of cub and got a big gallon jug of paint and took it and dumped it on the head building in uh, the other school. Now we didn't do things like that. We may have yelled and hollered and screamed, but. Uh, It was a great relationship. Uh, The faculty, I think, felt some of that. Now, at uh, one of my history classes, uh, Choo Choo Justice, of course, was All-American, all all this and that and the other, but there was another great All-American at that time named Doak Walker. My history professor, Frank Klingberg, had a 50-question final exam, but he had a 51st question. He said, now, this is not for points, but true or false? Charlie Justice is a better runner, passer, and kicker uh, uh, than uh, Doak Walker, true or false?" And uh, that got national attention, I might add, but he did say it didn't count on your final grade.
2: You know, one thing I'd say, and I bet you feel this a little bit, I bet you those of you wearing light blue right now, and i got to imagine, I represent today with this is the very uh, the only tie I could find that would combine in some reasonable way light blue and orange and thanks to Brooks Brothers for having come up with it I think it was in their discount aisle you know and uh, you know they're not so sure these colors do not like to like to like to come together but here it is uh, I'll give you the SKU number if you want to go find it from Brooks Brothers. And I'll tell you another thing that's really true about these rivalries. And I got to tell you, I spend a lot of time in Virginia, and obviously I live in North Carolina. So when I come across the state line, and these are states that you know are 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 just incredible rivals, I always have two hats. And you know, when I'm down in North Carolina, obviously I'm wearing my UNC hat, and there's my UNC hat. Of course, it's a 2009 champions hat. Go heels. (laughs) Um, But when I cross that state line, I got to admit to you, I got to put this hat on. That's my Wahoo hat. Because uh, it doesn't feel right when I'm up here to be, be representing UNC. I don't know why, it just, I want to I make sure that I fit in. And like you know what it is, can I, can I tell you? I was walking across, I'm not kidding, I was walking across the St. Charles Bridge in Prague. And uh, I was admiring the scenes and I, I noticed someone kind of gave me a weird look. And uh, I kept on walking and then I heard way in the distance, go to hell Carolina! <laughs> Here I'm in Prague. I'm wearing a UNC hat. I, it's like, I can't even get away with it in Prague. You know, what's wrong with this? So, you know, you've got to be careful how you represent. And I tell you, the Virginians, they, they, they represent well. So make sure you, 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 you give a nod to uh, Thomas Jefferson tomorrow.
3: <laughs> my, uh, when I was at Chapel Hill, my fraternity was right next door to the Carolina Inn. If anybody's ever been there at Chapel Hill, you know how nice the Carolina Inn. It's a very plush, very nice, beautiful thing given to the university. And I had a bunch of my friends from the University of Virginia who were going to come down and visit me down there. So I told them, well, I'm right next door to the Carolina, and you come in this Franklin Street, and you turn to left, and then you come over there. Well, these guys arrived there, and it was a little bit dark, and they walked up to the Carolina Inn, they thought that was my fraternity house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they walked in, they saw these people sitting around these leather chairs, and they saw a reception thing, and they went and said, Hey, we've come to see Brother Wallenborn. <laughs> he says, Brother Wallenborn lives next door. The man knew
1: Now, Ted, what else do you have in your bag of tricks there? You know, I'm empty, but I've got to ask a
2: question. You Tom, I don't know if I'm stealing any of your thunder, but how many of you have two degrees, one from UNC, one from UVA? How many? Else, right. Let's give him a round of applause. How many of the people who just raised their hand have undergraduate degrees from the University of Virginia? Okay. And how many have undergraduate degrees from the University of North Carolina? You know, I, I'd love to have an open conversation about the differences in those experiences because you know, I gotta admit, I think I'm the only person I believe it or not, I wrote a master's degree. My master's from the University of Virginia was actually a comparison of the two institutions. And uh, their their histories are so similar, and what made them similar is in 1931, the Morrill Land Grant was formed. And the land grant created land grant institutions. And in both cases, uh, land grant institutions were established in states. And of course that gave rise to uh, Virginia Tech and NC State, and our two states. And and we became, at the institutions, uh, University of Virginia and University of North Carolina, uh, the comprehensive schools. We had the law school, we had the business school, we had the medical school, we had the dental school, and of course we had the finest liberal arts college of arts and sciences in the state. Well now we're facing some really interesting challenges because those, those departments that we cleaved off that were considered in the trades, now being held by Virginia Tech and North Carolina State, uh, those, are the, those are the departments that uh, we need to have back with us. So uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I'd like to do the reverse moral land grant. Maybe take NC State over in Virginia Tech and bring them back. Of course, that's going to be un- unpopular with my father-in-law, who's a hokey, uh, and he's also a Tar Heel. So uh, I'll get away with it, I think.
3: That's right. Like engineering, the old engineering school was uh, still at Chapel Hill, but it was then I think the math department over there. But they, they NC State took over the engineering.
1: Uh, Somehow, Virginia, we were able to retain our engineering school. So, yeah. Well,
5: <laughs> I also
2: I also point out that we have a biomedical engineering department in the medical school uh, that's very fine, and we're actually in the process of starting a college of applied science uh, at the University of North Carolina. So, we're going to try to bring it back.
3: Well, when I was, uh, I, I'm a double dipper. I of course went to Carolina, came here to med school, went back to Carolina on the house staff at Chapel Hill. And was in a specialty, and uh, I got called in the Air Force and then after the Air Force, I came back to Virginia, changed specialties, and then I stayed here, so thats sort of double 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 and uh, so I had a great time one time, oh yeah, I will tell you about Seven Society, and maybe this is why i didn 't make it in. I owned and flew airplanes for about forty years. I was a flight surgeon in the Air Force, and so I loved to fly and everything. Well, one night, I got a telephone call from somebody whose voice I didn't recognize, says, "Uh, Doctor, you still flying your airplane? I said, yes. He said, "Uh, would you consider dropping the Seven Society leaflets on Scott Stadium at (laughs) halftime? And I said, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. That's experience. So he says, well, I'll have the uh, Seven Leaflets at your house tomorrow. I didn't see who brought them, but they appeared at my door. About 10,000 of them. So I went to the first quarter of the football game, jumped in the car, went out to the airport. They were already loaded in the plane, so I took off, and I came over and went west of the uh, Observatory Mountain here, and I circled around there. I had a radio in the plane. I could tell when the halftime was coming. So when halftime came, I came over Observatory Mountain and dove down and ended up right down in the stadium. I was looking at the, looking at the presence box over here. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be that low, but I flipped the plane up and flipped out about 50 of them and they went straight down. So I said, okay, so there's no wind. So I went down, went south of the field, came up about a mile out, started dumping 10,000 of those leaflets out. Well, then I went on back to the airport, landed, and when I landed there, I heard this plop, 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 and a bunch of them dropped off the tail of my airplane where they'd been stuck because they got stuck there. But when I got back to the game, I I asked my friend's uh, fourth Corps. I said, "You, what did you think about the leaflet? He said, well, the first time he came by, they came down in the field, but the second time, they went over ahead. Well, ended up on the med school. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm still a six and not a seven. <laughs> True story.
1: At this point in time, I'd love to open up the floor for any comments or questions people have or any remembrances.
6: I'm Don Peters, UNC class of 86, I'm the Virginia rep on the alumni board, and I have lived in Norfolk for 23 years, and the biggest difference I have found, and things that I've seen, are that in North Carolina, UNC was always said to be the university of the people, and you knew your tax dollars were going to that university, and you were going to get a very reasonable education, and I was really surprised to see that the amount of, um, support that UNC gets from t- from um, the legislature is the same that UVA gets from tuition and it's flipped that UNC gets far less from tuition than UVA does from the legislature and I think it's a very different, as a taxpayer in Virginia I wish my kid had a better chance of getting UVA, I don't know what they do but I do find that there is that difference that there isn't the commitment to that university and to hire Higher education in Virginia as there is in North Carolina is that just my opinion or no, no, no. that's true you're,
1: you're right the um, I, these numbers will be exactly wrong but directionally correct um, uh, the, the legislature of Carolina basically supports the each student to the, to the point of about what twenty three thousand dollars a student and uh, in Virginia it's about uh, seven 000, eight thousand dollars a student and it's just it you know it's it's the the um, you know all the other pressures that the state government has to fund, and that's what they've done over time. And the University of Virginia now is about um, the state supports about five and a half percent of the operating budget of the university. They still maintain one hundred percent control, but five and a half percent funding. Yeah, nineteen, I've been told.
2: You know, one thing, one implication of that that I'd love to share um, uh, is that the private folks have had to kind of step up to support the University of Virginia. And the endowments of the uh, University, of Virginia, University of North Carolina are, are pretty different as a result because we have to make up for the difference in state funding at the University of Virginia. But I was amazed, I, I, I just want to share this if you don't mind, Tom. The business histories of the two places are quite interesting. And uh, for instance, two entrepreneurial pioneers of our states, and these are people that were in the last 30 years. uh, Frank Batten at the University of Virginia really uh, built uh, the Batten Institute, which was committed to entrepreneurship. Frank Keenan at the University of North Carolina created uh, the Keenan Institute, again focused on entrepreneurship and economic development. Both of them saw how important it was to draw private support into these institutions. But by engaging in uh, how healthy it is to, to really develop a strong market economy. And uh, as a result, you think about the leaders who came out of each institution at the University of Virginia. Uh, William Hawkins, who is the CEO of Medtronic. Uh, Alan Lafley, Proctor and Gamble. Halsey Miner at CNET. Uh, Mark Temple at Citrix. Uh, UNC, Mac, like Max Chapman at Kidder Peabody. Uh, David Gardner from The Motley Fool. Uh, you know, Bowman Gray at RJ Reynolds. Uh, Dick Genrat at The Equitable and, and uh, uh, Jenrette Lufkin and Howe. And then uh, Sally Krawczyk at um, at uh, Merrill Lynch, uh, these are folks that are you know icons in business, and um, uh, both uh, institutions have created so many of these great folks. Um, what I've been amazed by is how much commitment there is to these two institutions, and you know how important it is for uh, uh, us to recognize that we're creating leaders not only in uh, society but you know obviously moving our economy forward. So it's pretty exciting. I would like to say a few things too about the toothbrush
3: club toothbrush club. That's what I no. (laughs) We have two of the best alumni heads right here tonight. Doug Dibbert from Chapel Hill, Tom Falders from the University of Virginia. They are superb. Rick Davis is the most enthusiastic person you've ever seen in your life and if you want something done he can move bridges and I guess Athea does a pretty good job here herself wherever she is, I know she's in there she is so that's, that's great and, and the best thing is you know they really look after us and when we need something they, they look up facts and figures and they help us with our reunions and uh, we have some of the great reunions in med school here we have these great reunions at Chapel Hill Fabulous reunions at Chapel Hill, I might add, but uh, and it's fun. You come back there, here's the old school, but there's lots of things there. Now, one last thing, and in reference to your talking about fees and so forth, the uh, the dean of the medical school here at Virginia was talking one time, says we're in competition for a lot of places to get students. And we have trouble with North Carolina because their fees, their Tuition costs for medical school are much lower for in- and out-of-state students than they are for Virginia's in- and out of students. So a lot of them go there, and it's a good school, so no reason not to go there if you can get there with having to pay the least amount of money. By the way, my first, when I came to school at Chapel Hill, my total expense, other than for room and board, was $135 a quarter. That's for an out-of-stater. Hundred and thirty-five dollars a quarter.
7: I think we've got a question here or a comment. Comment: um, When I was in Chapel Hill, I lived in a trailer. They ran out of dormitory space after uh, just well during the war. I was in the Marine Corps. Started out at Duke University. Thank God they transferred me to Chapel Hill. Duke University, the men's campus, was about four miles from the women. And that was hell. <laughs> I was on the track team at Duke, and then I went to the track team before you can yeah. at Chapel Hill. I ran 440, 220 lows, uh, high hurdles, a uh, uh, mile relay, and a 220 dash. But uh, uh, i tell you, I was in the Marine Corps there, and the war ended. And I had enough points to get out. Everybody else was there in the Marine Corps. They went to Quantico, became a lieutenant. Then they went to Korea. And I, I stayed in Chapel Hill and got a couple, three degrees. But uh, about toothbrushes there, Ken, I met a fellow at Chapel Hill. I saw he had a toothbrush in his lapel pocket. I said, What's that? His? That's my lapel pin. I went to Colgate. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you win. You know, you've got, to get, he, you've got to get him to tell you how he tried to tackle shoot you justice. He was on the JV football team at Chapel Hill, and they, would, they were the, the stooges for the uh, varsity. And uh, he said he never could. He could try to get around those thighs, but they just his arms wouldn't fit around them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> oh, mercy.
1: Okay, we've got a comment back here. <clears throat>
3: Carolina, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Yes, sir. Could I ask a qu- I may have my numbers wrong, but um, the out-of-state uh, student body at Chapel Hill is like 17%, something like that, and Virginia is 33 more than that? Uh,
1: Virginia, when, well, first years, it has to be two, uh, two-thirds in-state, one-third out-of-state. At Chapel Hill, 18% are out-of-state.
7: Why is there such a disparity? Why does North Carolina have... Why does it, Why isn't North Carolina 33%? Why isn't North Carolina... I'm
1: just... Uh, uh, well, I could ask why Virginia isn't... When I was a student, it was uh, 55-45. I, I say <laughs> that.
7: Uh, I have a, a daughter that's an uh, out-of-state mm-hmm. sophomore at UNC right now. So I'm not... But I'm just curious as to...
3: I think it has to do with the legislature to tell you the truth. They're the ones that sort of help set those things. If you get too far you know the University of Virginia went through quite a time there when they wanted to reduce the 33 percent down to about what Carolina has but the alumni stood up and said no the university is a diverse university and the best thing about it is we get people from all over the world and all over the country and Chapel Hill has been a little bit what? Man can. Do I hear uh, a okay, little question back here. there in the ranks?
1: That's okay. Question back here. This is just a comment to build on some of what's already been said about student
3: support, but then I have one question. And then the comment is that one difference between the two universities is the difference between the state constitutions because the North Carolina Constitution requires that state-provided um, college education will be made available tuition free to residents of North Carolina as far as is practicable. That's the phrasing from, I think it's Article 15 of the North Carolina Constitution. And Virginia, of course, most states don't have a provision like that, and Virginia does not. But I guess if I had a question, if it doesn't take us over familiar ground already, do you think having a constitutional provision like that changes the demographics or
1: the atmosphere on campus?
2: You, you know, um, as I think, yes about, and no. Yeah,
1: you, want,
2: <laughs> you, you know, it's know. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, uh, what I've been struck by at the University of North Carolina is its commitment to public service, and uh, you know, it's built into the culture of the place. And University of Virginia always was a part of Virginia. It's part of Virginia's fiber. Both institutions are kind of the sought-after schools. They are the top of the apex. Uh, in the states uh, uh, for any student who wants to try to get in. Um, uh, but I think in the case of uh, North Carolina, the state legislature has been uh, consistently com- uh, committed. I don't know how, given the changes in the economy, that's going to be sustained, however. I think the University of North Carolina will go through some significant pressures over the next several years, because uh, revenue uh, at the state level is, is diminishing. Our economy tends to be kind of stagnant in stagnant the moment. And uh, I don't see any massive change that will change the trajectory. So um, I think that UNC will probably feel the same pressure as UVA has felt over the last several years. And I think UVA has prepared itself to maintain uh, its quality. UNC will have to step up uh, to that kind of uh, commitment. So we're going to need a combination of public and private to make both institutions strong.
1: Question here.
5: Yes, hi. Um, My name is Antoinette Rhodes. I'm by definition a townie. Uh, I have in-law ties to both Virginia and to Chapel Hill Um, and my great-grandfather was, among other things, the only photographer who worked here through the entire Civil War. And um, I would say to the person who just spoke that it's interesting to look at the history of UVA because in the mid-19th century, UVA in fact had state students who were like appointees to West Point and were appointed by their representatives to the General Assembly who are merit students nominated from their counties and cities. So things are different now than they were. They were in some respects more democratic in an earlier era. And I was going to ask Ken and his uh, interlocutor, because Ken's um, not just a resident of Charlottesville, but a student of it as well, and a student of Mr. Jefferson's. And I was going to ask him to uh, address the whole business of college town, an expression that's been used a lot. Because in the case of Chapel Hill, William R. Davy, the celebrated patriot, if he did say so himself, um, went out into the middle of nowhere and set up a school. And so the town that grew up around it, the shops, the you know, whatever grew up around it, was by definition a college town. Now, Mr. Jefferson didn't do that. He went miles outside Charlottesville, a little tiny town, which people think he founded, but he didn't. Uh, his role in the building of Charlottesville and the making of Charlottesville was that as a young man in the Virginia General Assembly, he got it, made the county seat, the previous county seat was Scottsville. He got Charlottesville made the county seat. He didn't lay out the street scheme, he didn't design the buildings, he didn't do squat. <laughs> um, but um, he then developed this academical village outside with the intentional, with, with the intent of making a, a community entire of itself. And I know Ken knows that and Ken studied that and I was going to ask him to talk about that. But the more you talked about this stuff, I realized the only thing I really wanted to know about from these two guys is just how friggin' painful is it to have the Atlantic Coast Conference completely disrupted, turned into a mess with Florida and Boston in it. Like how bad is that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it, it's, it's actually screwed up my family, as a matter of fact. It's t- totally screwed up my family because uh, a lot of my family went to Syracuse University. And, boy, that is really tough because, you know, I, I, I had to convince my, my father to root for the Heels for so long, and now they're playing against one another. So it's just a nightmare.
3: It's, fu- it's, it's uh, interesting how the University of Virginia ended up here. Uh, People wanted it in a lot of different places. Uh, Lexington, for example, had raised $50,000 if they would put the university there. Mr. Jefferson wanted it more central, and at that time when he was going to start the University of Virginia, Charlottesville Charlottesville was more central for all the land that Virginia controlled at that time. And they had a meeting of a committee up at uh, Afton Mountain at Leakes Tavern, and uh, that's where they decided to... Set the University of Virginia here and the town and gown has been pretty good here for the most part, Uh, we realize that the students bring a lot of uh, income into us and uh, a lot of excitement and we learn all the new music that's available what the good beers are and uh, all that sort of stuff I mean it's free, they just do that for us for free Uh, of course we have to clean them up, you know who sweeps the streets, you know, that's what the old song went but at any rate, it is very good that they've uh, that the town and gown have worked basically very good and very close. At one time, I was just reading the history of the university, Bruce's history, and at one time, the town and gown was not a good thing. The, the town was left aside. The, the university wasn't having anything to do with them down there, but uh, they've come around very well. Tony is Tony's an author in... Uh, she, uh, she's writing a great book, if I can ever get her to finish it, <laughs> about one of Charlottesville's great uh, citizens.
2: The person yeah. who just spoke, by the way, I want to add one thing, and that is uh, uh, Chapel Hill may have started as a university town, but we have sent some of the same pressures that you'd have in Charlottesville there. Uh, uh, we have developed a real relationship, uh, town-gown building um, capability downtown to start businesses, a uh, program called Launch Chapel Hill. I noticed the University of Virginia is doing their iLab program downtown. These are things where town gown flows together and you get people on the same goal. But we're, we're facing the same issues in Chapel Hill. Uh, we've been trying to get uh, the Horace Williams property developed into Carolina North for years and uh, that, I wouldn't attribute that necessarily to a challenge in the town level. But we've never been able to get it done. And uh, you know, I would suggest that the environments are very much the same. I would We're like to
3: add something else when the North Carolina when the legislature set up the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill they wanted it to remain a university town they had a law no trains could go to Chapel Hill that's the truth so the trains went to Carboro right next door to it that's where you could and and the students got off there with their big steamer trunks and all the locals would help haul those over to about a mile over to the campus over there but That was their thing, and buses—they they had not figured on buses, so buses came to Chapel Hill. That's the way I got there: was by buses or by air.
2: Did you drop drop any leaflets?
1: No. We have one. It was air. You go my way. That's how I got. We have time for one more question or comment. Uh, A comment, more than a question. Uh, I have enjoyed both your comments. I think it may be just possible that you overlook the strength of the place. Both Virginia and Carolina are remarkable in their ability to convert a place into attitudes. And uh, I suspect every good school tries to do that. But the thing that's always struck me, being a graduate of Vanderbilt, is to, is how well each of the two schools did that. One in Virginia, one in Carolina. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that makes not only storytelling, but makes education. Thank you. How about a big hand for our two speakers?